The views and opinions expressed on From the Mouths of Madness are that of the panel and not of the Geeks Under the Influence Network or their sponsors, Amazon.com and TeePublic.com. Listeners, beware. Coming straight from the mouths of madness. I am one of the hosts, Lowdown. With me, as always, is F. U. Hunter. What's up, bitches? What is going on, everybody? It is April, and everybody knows it is LV four twenty six. It's yes. happening this month, and oh yeah, guys, it's just time to just <laughs> jizz all over sci fi stuff. I love it. But we are also a horror podcast, so got to kind of have the crossover. So we're gonna yeah, be we spending... get our peanut butter and our chocolate and our chocolate yeah. and our peanut butter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we definitely have to have a couple, have to have a couple episodes specifically about that subgenre of both genres because really it's it's really it's a subgenre that connects both genres and uh with us tonight we thought it was a perfect perfect person to have on back again we got fabian rush thank you so much for having me i love being here for all of these <laughs> I, I have so much fun with you guys we have fun when you're on it's always they're always these are our highest ranked episodes oh really the two that yeah. the composers of horror episode and tor- and the torture porn where we discuss your uh, the yeah. film you ran white meat yeah. uh, are our first and third highest episode. Nice, yeah. Oh, I ju- you just made my night. Thank you. <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm I'm sweating a little bit. I'm like, she's gonna make him the co-host and yeah. kick me the fuck out. Like, wow, every episode does amazing. Oh, now. you know you my boo. <laughs> no, Aww. but the reason he's perfect for this is a. I mean, your films as a writer and a director and a composer definitely revolve around sci-fi and horror and they fit in you know some, there's some romance in there you kind of you have like a smorgasbord of the different genres in, in your films you know thank you and the people that you talk about and the, the different topics on your show are generally the same inspirations I had when I was a kid wanting to become a filmmaker mm-hmm. so it's funny because in previous episodes you've had we talked about Clyde Barker and uh, just all these different things and these are all my influences we talked about Bruce Cl- Campbell he's oh, yeah. the reason I act so <laughs> I mean, if there if there is an actor, I mean, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, th- to pick as an influence, I mean, it's fucking Bruce because that and that man. All right, side note, I, I'll, I'll move on with the intro later. People, hold on. That man's charisma in person, on panels and everything, is fucking brilliant. I love I, I, lo- I love that dude's whole persona. He's, Bruce Campbell's awesome. Um, we're not talking about Bruce Campbell. We are going to be discussing David Cronenberg now. I hope people in the horror community know who David Cronenberg is, or at least when we start going through some of his movies, you're like, ah, I do know who Cronenberg is, and I fucking love that movie. It's fucked up. I felt uncomfortable. And that's what his movie should do to you. Yeah, he, he's <laughs> definitely, when you say sci-fi horror, is I feel like one of the first go-to names to go to with that. That and, that and um, Stuart Gordon are like yeah. my top two when it comes to sci-fi horror. And Cronenberg is one of the reasons I became a filmmaker. Uh, you see, I I can pinpoint all of my the the things I used to fangirl over as mm-hmm. a kid. I, I loved Clyde Barker. I loved Bruce Campbell, Cronenberg, specifically Videodrome. These he, that movie made me want to make movies. And that's and that's fucking awesome. Like I mean, and that's I feel like just from the interviews I've watched with Cronenberg and or read that that I think is someone coming up to him just saying, "Hey, I love your movies. You're you know it's great." And then want to get a deep dive about his movies. I'm sure I'm sure he would love to talk art all day and, and creative processes. But just knowing that he put out into the world something that also made people want to do the same thing and 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 just like just uh, uh it, like kind of investigate their own 
niches in the in the creative process in the creative world, uh, I think that's probably the greatest you know greatest thing you could tell any artist. I kind of put him also with the kind of the David Lynch category where he's successful, mm. but he's never had to sell out and do like a popcorn movie. He's always kept his style, whatever mm-hmm. he's done. He's never like he's had a, a few pretty big hits, but he's never changed it. You don't get that like did, did he direct this? Like you know you're not David Cronenberg's Die Hard. You know you're never gonna get something like that. Yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> One of the things about David Cronenberg that I think really sets him apart from a lot of other directors. You talk about like get his, get his version of Die Hard or his version of whatever shallow movie. One of the things I appreciate about him is how deeply he thinks about every element of his movie. So it may be this really psychotic, creepy situation that the characters are in, but when you the characters will say something that really gives you uh, the you can really look into and see why they are the way they are mm-hmm. and and how they became so warped yes totally i mean yeah. that i mean it and that's amazing storytelling yeah it really is and uh he does actually go into uh some of that like going with what you just said as far as when he goes into a movie he i mean he has a predetermined story obviously and and, and a path like he has he talks about he has certain lenses he likes to use and, and he's very particular about camera shots that he's just like that's it that's that, those are his things that he's like focused on but like he says a lot of time too he lets the movie tell him what it needs you know what i mean like he he lets the story tell him what it needs to be brought to life kind of thing and i think that's uh instead of trying to force and keep it with what you think it should be as it unfolds allowing it to flow and just cut it enough to make it to where it's going to be a solid film especially you know during editing and all that and like I think that's awesome. He keeps it very organic. Yes. Uh, so the movie grows kind of like the tumors on his characters. <laughs> yes. You know, that's crazy. We'll, we'll get. I, I, I want to circle back to that uh, because that is actually very true with most of his movies. Just a little backstory on Cronenberg. Uh, he was born in 1943, so yes, he is 78. Damn. He's 78. He's... He gets that senior discount now. <laughs> AARP card. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he was born in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And pretty much, I believe all of his films were shot in Canada. I didn't know that. I believe up to a certain point. I, ca- I can't say that about some of the late, the newer films, you know, once we get into the 2000s. But he does state, so when they, I watched an interview and it was up to Cosmopolis. So that was uh, 2013. And I'm pretty sure he said he only films in Canada. Okay. Well, so. Saves on budget. I think he shoots around Toronto. Uh, it's got the everything he would need. It's got bustling metropolis, stuff like that. And then it's got tons of countryside, as we see in most of his earlier work. There's this country everywhere, or in his newer stuff. So I mean, plus Canada encourages filmmakers. That's true. In which there's, you know, I mean, especially probably some of his early works probably had help from the Canadian government because that's what a lot of the Canadian directors... Yeah, what is that, the CDFC? Canadian yeah. some... Uh, no, CFDC, Canadian Film Distributing Company, I think has produced... Yeah, there's like, here, films. here, we really want to encourage you. Here's some money to make your... Yes, uh, here, make, make the art and then it gets... And Canada's attached to it too, so it just helps everything. Unlike, helps unlike here where it's like, yeah, go to Hollywood or kiss my ass. Like, exactly, fuck you. And, <laughs> and, and it's his home. I mean, you yeah. if you grew up in a certain area and you know your way around, you've got your connections, there's no reason to go to Hollywood would if uh, yeah. if you're david cronenberg seriously well he, he tried to and they were like uh, i think i think he was trying to go talk i think he said he went to talk to corman's production company and they didn't you know so apparently shivers was not good enough but then we've got galaxy of terror 
that yeah. apparently <laughs> was what we, I mean, and I love Galaxy of Terror, but it's like, really guys, come on. Are we, are we, we're splitting hairs here. We're arguing semantics at this point. I mean, was six and a half a dozen the other. Like, yeah, I, I don't know that <laughs> Roger Corman really has the right to turn anyone down. Uh, I know. Okay. No, don't get me wrong. I love Roger Corman. Yeah, no, I have all of yes. his movies, but I also, I have a thing for bad movies. Yes. Like, I love bad movies. Yes. They're, they're really entertaining. So, but yeah, he, he, he I don't know. Like that. Human Into the Deep is not an amazing movie. It's a fun movie. Oh, yeah. Not an amazing movie. There are fun movies. But Corman does have where he's, I mean, he's picked out Dante and, yeah, and yeah. I mean, some of the, our, the, these directors that we love a lot of their stuff. Corman did get him. It's just weird that yeah. somebody like Cronenberg is like, uh, no, I'm good. And you're like, but that was Cronenberg's first film. Too. Yeah. But that's still so you weird. You look at it that way, too. Like, I, I guess because. It was it was his first film. I, I don't know. I don't know. They, he, and Cronenberg doesn't really go into that, but that, you know that's where he was. And but you know someone picked it up, and he he even says like I I I would have that would have been it if 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 the Canadian uh, production company and I picked it up that would have been it. I would have died on the vine. Oh yeah, yeah. So that definitely gave him his chance, and then gave us all the amazingness <laughs> that his films bring about. You mentioned earlier how not everybody might know Cronenberg by mm-hmm. name. Uh, and and you know, if I, if you want to bridge the gap, just so people can go, oh, I, I was just thinking, you know, I'm a big Rick and Morty fan. Yes. And so when Rick and Morty, <laughs> yeah. when, when Morty says, you turn a bunch of people into a bunch of Cronenbergs, then, that, okay, he that's a great homage yes. to an amazing director who does body horror. So that's yes. a great introduction to him. I so, forgot about so, that. So, so yeah, yeah, Rick that, and Morty is just like, it's I was true. watching that. I'm like, yes, thank you. for, for <laughs> Now, the writers of Rick and Morty are geniuses, uh, yes. and they know who to give credit to. Uh, so they look at intelligent movies from the course of their lifetime, and they want to make it known. So when they re- reference Cronenberg... They're doing you a favor. Yes, totally. Uh, and don't you just imagine, because obviously the you know popularity of Rick and Morty now, there has to be some kids out there like, what do they mean by Cronenberg? Yeah. And then they do a deep dive, and you have all these new yes. fans of Cronenberg. What a present. Literally this random throwout line on and Rick and Morty. But Rick and Morty does that with a lot of things. Yeah. So I really feel like some stuff gets lost in my brain. I'm like, because like every episode usually has at least two calls to something. But it's, it's always it's really cool when something that you obviously have known for a while, yeah, and you see something pop culture take off, and then that like I mean I remember I was already a fan of White Zombie. They showed up one time on Beavis and Butthead. Beavis and Butthead was huge at the time, and then everybody's like fucking White Zombie. I'm like, yeah, they've been around for yeah. a little while, yeah. and they're like, no, but they're fucking awesome because they're on Beavis and Butthead. I was like, well, they were awesome before <laughs> that. You know? Beavis and Butthead didn't make them awesome. <laughs> yeah, and so it's like this weird thing of like, yeah, that was cool, but that's kind of exciting to think that you, it, you know, especially on the internet, all they have to type in is what is a Cronenberg. And mm-hmm. pop you the whole you thing on Rick and Morty. It's all in cartoon form, but to see it in live, actually mm-hmm. non CG, you can play with it and touch it form. That <laughs> yeah. is entirely different. It's a <laughs> it'll be a nice introduction for any kid that Google's yes. what is a Cronenberg? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh god. <laughs> but uh, so he's got he's he has. We just talked about body horror. He has gained some a couple of nicknames throughout his career. He is known as the King of Venereal Horror, which uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, makes sense. Also, the Baron of Blood. Um, that, that one, I, 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 I will say this: his movies actually aren't extremely bloody. Yeah. So I don't know where that came from, honestly. Because I mean, it's fleshy. I don't know about bloody. I would agree with you, honestly. I will say that that makes him even better. 
yes. because a barren of blood, then yes, you can see gushing blood, and it's not really that gross to see blood. Whereas with Cronenberg, when you see something discolored squirt, yeah, then that's way worse yeah. than blood every time. Yes, one hundred percent. I would call him like the gooey god or something, like something <laughs> yeah. where like because I just like. Do you think of goo and like like the shit falling off of the fly yeah. and like so, yeah. yeah yeah and like the you know and Videodrome like his fucking you know stomach vagina and shit like that oh, like, yeah. oh. he should be called creamy Cronenberg <laughs> yeah creamy Cronenberg yeah cream filling Cronenberg <laughs> we've like turned him into a wrestler where he's like and now the gooey god yeah, creamy Cronenberg <laughs> stop <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Oh, I think that's the episode title, The Gooey God, Creamy Cronenberg. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, no, I, I don't know yeah, if you appreciate that or not. I, I don't know that I've seen a lot of blood in I mean, there's stuff. blood. Yeah, there's it's some, not... but it's 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 it doesn't compete with many other filmmakers out there. Yeah, that's exactly. Oh, Peter yeah. Jackson. Yeah. Uh, now, okay, I, I would call him a, a blood god. Yes. But... Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Dead Alive especially. Dead Alive Woo. was... Woo. <laughs> Honestly, when I think of Cronenberg, I think that there's always one scene in most of his movies where you're going to squirm. Like, I feel yeah, like that's exactly. his whole thing is that he wants to have a camera on you. And at some point in each of his movies, you're going to kind of like, oh, fuck. Or like that, yeah. you know. 100%. Yeah, there's that 100%. one Either scene. squirm or maybe he'll make you itch a little and, yeah. and check your body and make <laughs> like, sure there's nothing growing. There's not a vagina in the stomach. What, what was that? <laughs> what was that? I didn't have a vagina here earlier. Huh. So... If you can't tell uh, from uh, our descriptions of the movies we're running through, his 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 movies tend to explore visceral body transformations and infections, technology, and the connection between the physical and the psychological. Mm -hmm. He definitely explores the body and brain connection, like deep dive, delves he, he hard into that stuff, and I, and that's hard to do, right? I feel like people attempt it. But to uh, to accomplish it the way that Cronenberg has, uh, that that uh, that's a feat. That's a feat. I I imagine he probably looked at himself in the mirror a lot as he was growing and got used to his body, and he would look at things and be like, "Hmm, that makes me uncomfortable." <laughs> <laughs> and then he got comfortable putting that on camera for people to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He does a lot of examining of the human psyche and mm -hmm. how not only like how someone would react to seeing some of the crazy shit he comes up with, but that person, you know, like, whereas in the original Fly, it's the fly scary, run away from him. In his Fly, it's what's the psyche of your body falling apart? And how do you come to how do you terms deal with, with that? this? And yeah. at a certain point, you see, you see him. Brundle's just like, I'm turning into a fly. I mean, he's saying it's so empty, but accepting. You know, like in that scene, I, that Goldblum's performance was amazing. When he's telling to, to her, he's literally just like, "This is it. Well, he's this just is looking what's at, happening. He's Nothing like, I can do about it." Uh, this, it, like, he could have went and was like, "Man, this fucking sucks." Blah blah. You know, he's just like, I, "I." Well, he looks at like, now. He like, looks at like evolution. That's the yeah. thing. He's like, "Oh wow, yeah. I'm the next evolution." Like, okay, uh, that that happens later on though. He didn't yeah. start out like that. Yeah. You can say it like an evolution, but when I watch that movie as a, old, older now than mm -hmm. I was when I was a kid in the '80s, when I watch it now, I think, "Wow." This movie is also like a reaction to just aging. Mm -hmm. When you look in yourself in the at the in the mirror and and then, okay, I admit I haven't pulled teeth out or pulled off a fingernail or anything like that. But but like the fear of aging is something I gathered from that movie in terms mm -hmm. of psychological yeah. stuff. 
Well, one of the big things is that movie came out in, what, 86? 86. Yeah. 86. Which, one of the big topics on everybody's mind was the AIDS crisis. Yep, boom. I was about to go there. And this movie dealt with it without it ever being actually in the anywhere in the plot but what thousands of people were dealing with right at that time and that thousands of people were fucking ignoring at that time yeah so, and that was that was pre-cocktail man and you got it you were fucking falling up you were just d- d- like just falling apart and dying it was just killing your which you is know, just it was great. just killing your immune system mass- you were getting sick from everything in the world and you were just turning into a skeleton and dying that's that 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 was the, now luckily through medication and science we People can live a long, ha- longer, happy life, but in '86, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a thing. And he, when he masked it, he took this Vincent Price, like you know, generic horror movie. Oh, I can make this work. With and, this. and said, cool. not only am I going to update this, but I'm going to give it a context of what's happening that nobody wants to talk about. Yeah, fucking yep. awesome. It's fucking brilliant. And that segue into some of his movies. He, uh, uh, we kind of talked before the episode, but that was the first Cronenberg film I ever saw, not knowing it was Cronenberg. Like I said, I got it. I'm I'm a, I'm a little bit younger than the other two panelists, uh, and uh, <laughs> Why do you, you bring that up every episode. Yeah, I do. I do. It's fun. Anyway, uh, I was thinking when when I saw Jeff Goldblum, I was like, "Ooh, Jurassic Park," because I saw it. Jurassic Park was '96, I believe. I saw this at my aunt's house when I went to visit them in Delaware in like '97, '98, and I I managed to catch it on HBO, and so it was unedited, and I was like. What I thought I was going to get into, because at the time when you're younger, you're like, oh, well, this actor does this style of movie, so you're going to get in like, no, holy fuckballs. What I have, what shocked me, now I saw this as a little kid in the 80s, the late 80s, mm-hmm. and one of the things that shocked me the most as I got older about the movie was, how did Gina Davis date him after that movie? Seeing him <laughs> in all the cousins, you would just think that he, that he, that she would associate him with all the vomit and the, 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 projections from his body <laughs> but i thought wow she dated him after only this. one projection from his body mattered <laughs> his proboscis <laughs> terrible oh, i had to oh, sorry. it's kind of funny that i actually saw this after pretty much her second movie which is mm. beetlejuice mm. so that's going beetlejuice then the fly it's an interesting transition because, you know, obviously you watch Beetlejuice, you're just like, this is some badass shit. This yeah. is pretty hilarious. Like, oh, cool. He's, she's now with this dude that's vomiting on motherfuckers and breaking arms and shit like that. Does it have the same tone? Well, at least they forewarned you with the vomit. They showed you puke on a donut first. I mean, it's not like they didn't tell you this could potentially happen for, you know, down the, funny the road. The thing is, is, I can deal with pretty much all the shit falling off and stuff like that. There's one scene, goddamn, I still have to look oh, away. I know. I know. Yeah. I know. Oh, what's yep. that? I don't um, know. He has a. Bone, body yeah. When he's like, thing. "Hey, let's arm wrestle." Oh, and yeah. now I, every time it's a trigger for me. Wait, you know, okay. As right now, uh, right now to this day, I don't arm wrestle people because I saw the fly <laughs> as a kid. Yeah, I have always. It's always been in my mind that that can happen, so I don't ever. I yeah. since I was a kid, like a bunch of macho kids get together around the lunch table, and everybody arm wrestles. It was just cool to do in the nineties and. I've never participated because I always thought 
my arm might break. Oh, yeah. yeah. But he has a severe bone breakage thing or, or bone protruding out thing. Yeah, yeah. it's hard yeah. for me. I, there's, so, so, there's so many movies where I haven't like I haven't told him and he watches them <laughs> and then he's mad at me. Oh, that's just mean. Uh, hey, dude, it's, you know, that's what friends are for. Oh, my, uh, my son got a kick out of the most recent Chucky movie that came, that new Child's Play one. Oh, yeah. And there's a scene where a character falls off the ladder and breaks both of his legs and usually people will give me heads up and he saw it before me and he literally just waited, watched it with me and waited for him to fall and then break it and then looked at me and went, oh, did I forget to tell you that was going to happen? Hey, hey hold on. You hold son on. of a bitch. Hold on. He is your son. That is true. Yes. He does nothing but fucks with people. So okay. this is just dessert. That is true, okay. yeah. That's yeah, he's just always, desserts. I call him the, the little fuck. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're the big fuck. Yeah. He's a little fuck. Big yeah. fuck, little fuck. Yeah. But yeah, he just <laughs> sat there and watched as this dude fell off the ladder and didn't tell me you might want to watch out and I watched yeah. <sighs> um, and the other thing, too, with The Fly is that Cronenberg did versus the original uh, was he really brought in the biology of The Fly. He got stronger. You're talking about the, the arm wrestling. He got stronger. He wanted to fuck all the time. Fly's instinct is their lifespan so short they want to mate breed. So he's fucking all the time. His sex drive is insane. I think one one scene he was like, "That was like that was four times." He's like, "I can go again." Like, <laughs> I mean, but I mean, they you didn't get that with the original one. So you really bring in the the science behind the anatomy of a fly in that, and that was amazing to actually see. I'm right there with you. You know, it's great to compare his version of the fly to the original, and it's so important because when you see how he took it and completely made it his own, mm -hmm. uh, it's shocking because the original was rated G. Yeah, uh, and the guy has a fly head, which it means nothing. When I said earlier what, how impressed I was at how deeply Cronenberg thinks about his movies, you hear at the beginning of the movie Jeff Goldblum's character, whose name escapes me at the moment, uh, his character says, "Yeah, well, he developed a teleportation device specifically because he had motion sickness as a kid." Yeah. So he didn't want to get it. He threw up on his tri tricycle. He said. So he goes. Well, I don't, he obviously doesn't want to get in a car and he doesn't want to have motion sickness. So he wants to build teleportation. What? So every little element, all the backstory and the reason people do what they're, what they're going to do in the movie, it's all justified in such simple little lines. Mm -hmm. He gets motion sickness. So he wants to be able to teleport. And then you see the fly get in there with him and the whole accident happens. And then the way his body changes, it's scientifically 100% believable yes, that if yeah. you were slowly going to turn into a fly, it would exactly be the way it was for him. Mm -hmm. And that's so scary about it. Yeah, <laughs> There was never a time that I didn't believe what was happening in that movie. No, I mean, I now I don't know that he would climb, that a real person would be able to climb on the ceiling and the walls that easily. Mm -hmm. But still, it was very believable. Well, and that's the thing with Cronenberg, you, you almost believe it. This way he does it where the signs in it is believable. It's not like, you know, and then whammy zammy, he's a fly. Like he like <laughs> he like all the stuff that like, you know, his transformation is slow. It's not immediate. It, it, it's almost like a scientific study you're watching on film. Uh, and agreed. And that actually leads into another film that uh, it was earlier film. Now, again, it had parts that were clearly not believable, but the movie explains that as well because there were hallucinations. But I can completely see fucking an organization trying to take over using platforms that people use daily, you know, kind of like we do with smartphones and other stuff. Anyway, mm -hmm. uh, but 83's Videodrome. Like that? Yep. The whole time I'm watching that movie, I'm like, once, when, I, when I was younger and first saw it, I really loved the movie. 
but I didn't fully grasp it until probably mid mid twenties. And then I'm like, oh, all the stuff that I didn't see make happens was he was hallucinating. And now you're like, well, fuck. Okay, that makes sense. Like controlling, doing it in small doses of experiments with individual people before you release it to the masses is it was basically all a video drone was. And it, I, fucking brilliant. Video drone was was brilliant. You know, you look at that film, and that is what has happened in society today. Exactly. For real. Yeah, exactly. So now, now of course, you know, it's hard to look into the future and make your movie based on what the future is actually going to hold. But video drone, when Doctor Oblivion says the television has become the retina of the mind's eye, that's mm -hmm. my favorite line in the whole movie. It's mm -hmm. absolutely true. It's brilliant. It's how it's what cell phones have done to people now. Mm -hmm. It's so, a screen. Exactly. It really, it's, it's a, a screen. It's just a screen. If he, you know, re remove the word television, replace it with screens in yep. general. We live the the reality that we're getting from our cell phones and smart devices and all this stuff. It is more real to us than the world around us. It, that is to, exactly to what is, he was yes. saying. Yes. Yeah, to certain people. So yes. th yeah, but there's a lot of people. Oh, oh god! So, I, so it's incredible. That movie was genius for '83. I mean, it's almost 30 years old. Oh yeah, and if you're 40, not 40, excuse me. If you're not sure, turn off your phone. Don't look at your phone for two days, and you're lost. Yeah, and uh, that's how. No, to a point. Well, not okay. everyone. To a, but I'm just saying. I'm lost. The majority. Lost the majority. The stuff that I use it for functioning, but well, I. I don't. Do, aside from this stuff, I don't do social media. Well, right. people like us. But I, I'm not even control. talking about social media. I'm just talking about your day to day mm -hmm. that you've just become accustomed. to. I got to. you. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, yeah. oh, what's the weather going to be like? Yep. Well, fair enough, see, fair simple enough. stuff like that. Fair I'm enough. not saying like what, what's yeah. everybody doing uh, this weekend. I'm talking about just your basic stuff. And and again, like the, this movie says, like you know, before you know it. We're just kind of everything. We're everywhere. Our, our phones are that. Yeah. That's, Fuck. Yeah. yeah. That's true. I mean, and this, we're basically, he's basically making a movie that, unbeknownst to him, is setting up for the future. Like, he, I feel like he maybe knew something was going to come. Not saying it was going to be the internet or, like, you're right. No one could fucking foresee that. But this movie definitely foreshadowed that something was going to come. In the in the future, and not be good for mankind, and that's kind of well, the mentality that James Woods' character finds. This is that he's looking to push the envelope. Like yes. his whole thing is is like getting new people in, sucked in that might not be interested in watching this. Is find the most extreme shit possible, mm -hmm. which I feel like we're at now at this point. <laughs> yes, and on top of that, Deborah Harry was in that, so that yes. was my that was mm -hmm. my initial attention getter for that mm -hmm. movie. Uh -huh. But then the reason I'm a fan is Doctor Oblivion. Yes, the, the the philosophies behind that movie were next level. Uh, like, how Agreed. do you you really have to know psychology, the psychology of humans in general, to really be able to write something like that and know what's coming and what people are susceptible to. Yep. And I love about, with Videodrome especially, is that it's a slow burn of inner bringing in the hallucinations, the TV, you know, him putting his head in the TV. Then all of a sudden he's got a, you know, stomach that Vagina. can now absorb uh, tapes. <laughs> not, dude, but it, it, the movie gets so fleshy. They it, make it a just, television, not him absorbing into the screen, but they make the entire box as breathing, oh, yeah. fleshy thing. But he doesn't hit you over the head oh. automatically where it's like, now all this shit's crazy. It builds it's up. slowly, like yeah. he kind of double does a double take on a lot of stuff. This was the big movie for me that I wanted to tie into what Fabian said earlier, where it's like this, his movies grow like a tumor, where like, yeah. when you, where you start out in Videodrome, it's like 
borderline smut like he's trying to find just the darkest side of sexual desire to put on his show i mean his network is he owns a tv he owns a tv network civic tv channel 83 and then you know he, he meets deborah harry and he we get a little nipple shot of her which was always blondie for those who don't know <laughs> deborah harry was the lead singer songwriter of the powerhouse band blondie call me mm. <laughs> <laughs> Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was like, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. No, I'm serious. Like, hey, call me. <laughs> but uh, I mean, every, but she she actually was perk for this role because of the the way that character needed to be, the breathy voice, all all that was just brilliant. And Deborah Harry was, she, yeah, she's perfect for it because you look at the stuff she was doing. You hear her music, like "Call Me" was cute, and mm-hmm. she's all of her music was really cute. But then you look at the stuff she was doing that outside of Blondie. So she, here she is modeling and working with H.R. Giger. Yes. Yep. Uh, and, and doing Cronenberg movies. And like, I want to, I would have loved to have known her. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. She's somebody I would have hung out with yeah. back in, back then. Now, uh, yeah, I'd still hang out with her now. Yeah. Um, just putting that out there. <laughs> in case she's listening. Tag her on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Blondie, I, yeah, just... Call me. Because yeah. <laughs> I hadn't really seen her in, in that many things. I mean, honestly, before I watched Videodrome, I'll, I'll be honest, I just watched this year. Um, the only thing I really remember seeing her in besides being a blondie was uh, Tales from the Dark Side. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. She was in that. That's, but, yeah. yeah. But that was about it until I saw this movie. I was like, oh, shit. I need to find and where she was in her music, one of her music videos with H.R. With Giger. When I saw yeah. like, I went, I'm in a huge Giger fan. And, yeah. and and that was of course because of Alien, mm-hmm. and so when I when Blondie got tied into all that, she went on my young kid spank bank, mm-hmm. uh, and just just seeing her in the Giger outfit that just did it all for me. But we digress. <laughs> yes, <I don't> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could go on a whole tangent about that. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, but yeah, so we see that she's into pain to pleasure thing and. And, and like at that point, it's just like, okay, well, maybe, you know, we're just de- going to see like, you know, these two people and how they're going to deal with that. That movie, it, and it's not a hard turn. Like before you know it, you didn't like, how the fuck did I get here? Like seriously, at a certain point, like how the fuck did I get here? But it's it's yeah. a small, like, it's a small it's hint. small steps. When it's she's so good storytelling. When she's just like, trying to you know, like her and James Woods are fucking around. She's like, how about you just kind of choke me a little bit? You know, and it's just that small introduction. And then it just builds up where it's like. He's going, he's just traveling, trying to find these people and trying to find a blip. Like, and then next, you know, he's wearing a fucking hat that they're recording his hallucinations. And I mean, <laughs> which he's fine with. It's like, how the fuck did I get here? <laughs> what I love about Cronenberg movies is this, it's kind of like a first date. Mm. Like when you're watching his movie, and it's a first date that goes wrong every time. <laughs> so I, I would describe it as basically. If I were the if I were the date of Cronenberg, the movie usually starts off with a with little yeses, little okays. Like mm-hmm. like first he puts your his hand on your shoulder and that's okay, you're with it. Mm-hmm. Then he puts it on your knee and you're with it. His hand starts working its way up your thigh and then you're starting to get uncomfortable. But is it weird now because I've been on this date this whole time? So his yeah, movies yeah. are is are is basically you follow along with his movies and he's touching you okay the whole time <laughs> until it gets to a point where you're like how do we get here how and do we what get 
is your finger doing up my nose? And he's like, yeah, yeah, and, it makes or, you ask or, or then he's penetrating <laughs> your stomach vagina. Yes, he's yeah. penetrating your stomach Before vagina. Before you know it, you're like, why is your fist in my stomach yeah. vagina? Suddenly, why do I have stomach Suddenly, he's penetrating parts of you yeah. that didn't have holes before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. now there are holes. Yeah. And something know. other than blood is oozing out. That's what happens in all of his movies. They're yeah. all, it's a bunch of little okay things. <laughs> and then next thing you know, you're really uncomfortable. And one thing I will say through Cronenberg is he is the first director, and I honestly don't know if I can name one right now that do, that is similar in this, but that his movies literally end on the climax. Yeah. Every yeah. one of them. I mean, and when I say climax, I mean, yeah, there might be like two minutes, three minutes, maybe four minutes after the actual climax, but most movies have a resolution. He ends on the denouement. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like like the fly. Yeah, I'm not going to give away the ending for anybody who no, hasn't no, no, seen no, no. it. But at the end of the fly, you pretty the movie ends right when you're pretty much saying, "Okay, I don't think I can take anymore." Yeah, and that's when it's and then it's over. Maybe that's it, why. Maybe that's why though, yeah. because he knows what he's he knows what he's doing. He yeah. knows what he's putting the viewer through. He knows what he's creating. Yeah, and then and, you, you know. just can't. It would be wrong to take it any further. Yes, like he's taken it as far as it should go for a movie's sake. Cut it off there so audience members can talk about it and take a shower <laughs> later. Take a shower. <laughs> I think the movie's though. old enough, by the way. I don't think we need to worry about spoiling well, it. For oh, this is for the kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah dude. No, Cronenberg <laughs> movies do not need to be spoiled. I'm sorry. Like, they, oh, this is for don't. the Rick and Morty kids. We want to yeah, hold yeah, off. The Rick don't. and Morty kids. They, no, like I, I, I'm with you on most things, but when it comes to as the uh, director at the caliber of of, of Cronenberg, like, uh, no, I'm not spoiling That's, that's true. I, I just said how I just saw Videodrome for the first time this year. Exactly. So, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Would you, I would would you wouldn't have had that spoiled for you? I don't know if you could spoil that movie. Well, yeah, okay, you know what? Actually, <laughs> how do you spoil that that's movie? A good, that's a good point. It's difficult to spoil certain things. The thing about Cronenberg movies, because of the ride he takes you on, I guess technically, no, I don't want to, but <laughs> you can technically tell somebody what his movie's about and not ruin it in any way because oh, watching it true. is a totally different experience. Yeah, that's true. It's like Bubba Hotep. Yeah. If you tell somebody what Bubba Hotep is like, they'd be like, why would I want to watch that? And then you watch it, I'm like, holy shit, that was one of the best things I've ever seen. Truth. Or there's times where I like to fuck with my friends and I'll make up See? how movies end and shit like that. Here's the asshole. And you could take the Cronenberg movies and you could tell them the actual truth. They're like, oh, really? Stomach vagina and yeah. then cancer bullets? Okay. And really? And like, no, it's seriously how it happens. But like for me, they would think I'm probably just fucking with them. You know? Yeah, you no, know, like, exactly. They would yeah. be like, Wait, uh, yeah, yeah. For, yeah, of course. Yeah. Gun you? in his hand. Okay. Like, <laughs> I, want, I, I forgot how hardcore I wanted that tattoo. <laughs> no, so I have a tattoo idea where I wanted the tattoo when it first happens when he's in the in the hallway after he gets fed the first cassette against his will. He basically gets raped with a cassette. Um, I mean, essentially, yeah, you know, yeah. He tries to get raped a second time, but then he's oh, he got something for the ass though. He's got that rape thing where it's like grabs a dick and it has to rip it out kind of thing going on. <laughs> yeah, I like it. It's awesome. Yeah, I so. will admit that Cronenberg movies they never have that. Don't try this at home aspect because I never tried to shove a VHS tape into my or ass. gun or gun for or that matter. Anything? No, yeah. no. <laughs> like, never I tried never tried anything I ever saw in any of his movies. Yeah, just saying. Yeah. But I wanted it, uh, the image of the of the gun with the cyborg cords coming out, and then have a cut off about right here where you see that it's implanted into his wrist. I just thought, and then have a and uh, th like I'm not big on like the old school classic tattoo style. So, but I want to find an. I wanted an artist that could adjust that and uh, ha still have a banner that says "Long Live the New Flesh." Mm -hmm. Like I yeah. fucking 
All right. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I was gonna add, I was gonna wait to add, say this later because uh, we would do a roundtable. We can kind of go through it as as it's being talked about. Of his original sci-fi horror movies, Videodrome is my shit. That is my fucking yeah. Cronenberg movie. That's I, the reason I, I love movies. The Fly. Videodrome, I dude, I, I mean, I remember a point. I watched that movie like so much at one point. It, it was unhealthy. How much yeah. I've watched that movie. Yeah. There, you like, had to learn. Yeah. You watch those movies to learn. You watch them over and over again to pick up more stuff. And I don't let them compete. Like I won't say Videodrome is competing with the fly because yeah, no, they are no. just they're just they're dating. Yeah. Uh, in my book. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'll watch them back to back. I think the one edge I'll give to the fly, and it's because it asked for this, is um Howard Shore's score is so like just yeah. it built it's like this huge like epic like I, I always compare his score to the the score in, in the thing that Carpenter had mm-hmm. used. It just it controls the tempo and the feel of the movie. It does. And we're Videodrome, and it's the way the movie is, the score is very, just very quiet, very slow. And so for me, like just my own taste, I, I would go with The Fly just because that score, honestly, is that final piece that puts it for me. That score, for me, having watched the movie, that score is kind of like an ugly cry. <laughs> uh, like when I when you when you listen into it, that that so dramatic. Like it's really dramatic. But with what's happening on the screen, as you're watching the movie, the the score gives me the feeling of wow, Gina Davis's character is helping a friend through some kind of a. Uh, like almost like an over like it's like he's on drugs yeah so it's like a dr- and and it's like a dare movie remember the dare program <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the, dare. So the movie so it's uh, like she is trying to help Nancy a friend yeah yes yeah, but, yeah, yeah the, the score gives me the feeling of this is about a, a woman trying to help her her friend through a drug addiction and it's going horribly wrong that's yes. what the score screams yeah <laughs> well, because yeah like i mean all those things we talked about with the fly as far as you know, AIDS. The AIDS virus was going was was rampant and new in the eighties. We yeah. talked about signs of aging, also just disease and uh, drug addiction. Uh, drug addiction's a disease. Like it definitely. And what got big in the eighties? I mean, crack came out in the early eighties, and then heroin started hitting more of the streets. You weren't you had to be rich to be on heroin. Addiction was starting to run rampant in the eighties as well. Like in more mainstream like which, talking suburban motherfuckers were getting yeah. addicted which to drugs which is kind now. of his addiction you know? his crack is teleporting where he's just yeah, like yeah. come on baby i just need one more teleportation today <laughs> shit oh shit you got more than pods baby yeah like <laughs> i mother- never thought of it that yeah, way <laughs> he's because he at, at some point he's like he's like she's like didn't you just do that this morning he's like uh, i just needed a little more just a little boost baby that's all i needed you know boost. yeah hey baby what if you and me were in the same fucking like, body you gotta look at that power <laughs> bill and it went that power bill the usage went like up a little bit up a little bit to like skyrocketing every day because he's just day, like yeah. I just need another fix the little teleport alright just to the other side of the room that's all <laughs> just move to the kitchen alright that's all I need baby come on teleport to where I could get a beer yeah <laughs> just, just give me something alright just yeah. want to teleport I ain't walking uh, but, uh, <laughs> I do want to uh, I want to wrap up uh, Videodrome and, and move on to something else w- uh, through the score, but there is one thing that Videodrome has that The Fly didn't have as far as for the ambience of the movie, and you could call it part of the score. It, in order to enhance what was happening in Videodrome, what you get outside of just the music is you get a lot of breathy and like not so much fleshy, but like pulsing, squirty sounds. And yeah. that w- takes place of where you potentially could have had more actual music like you would in 
his other films. Like, you know, you just it's hear a, like it's this. It's a quiet. Uh, like, yeah. And just like this pulse. You know, it's supposed to be very, that movie's very erotic. There's a fucking handgun that put, pull, put, that gets pushed out of a TV screen in the end when he goes to kill the daughter. And when, if you pay attention, <laughs> when it goes to shoot, it literally looks like a penis shooting jizz. Wow. I mean, that's <laughs> a, very guar. There's a whole, yeah, right. <laughs> but no, if you look, there's like, so it broke through the TV screen just enough. So when you look dead on, they give you a dead on shot. It looks like balls. There's a hole. And then it looks like round flesh with a tip. Yeah. I mean, it's just go back and rewatch that. It's, I mean, but again, Geiger too. I mean, I, you know, Cronenberg had, had he loves art. He's goes, yeah. to, he always goes, he says, he talks about going to galleries all the time. Back, back to the soundtrack thing. The, um, the breathiness and the pulsing and all that is definitely taking place where we could have music, more music in that movie. Now, a movie where you, the score that I think competes with The Fly, as far as the the, the how it, it makes the fucking movie, and it is just as grand as Scanners. The score in fucking Scanners yeah. kicks ass, yeah. dude. Oh, like, the, the best thing about that score is that literally it's like almost sometimes over the top, but then it's like, shh. Quiet, quiet. Some shit's about to fucking happen, and it's like the score quiets down before some fucked up shit's gonna happen. Yeah, like, yeah. and I, that's what I love about that movie. It's it's like booming, booming. Wait, wait, wait. Some shit's about to happen. About to happen. And that movie, yeah. yeah. Goddamn, Michael Ironside, dude. That's it, that's his fucking movie. All so right. What they were what they were what they were teasing you for throughout the whole movie is for that final scene, brother against brother, and you're like, oh, oh, and because that I remember I remember physically rewatching that a few weeks ago. And like I didn't do it the entire movie, but at that point I was like, Let me turn down a minute. I think the I think the kid's trying to sleep. <laughs> like, I mean, it just, it's so it's so fucking loud and just, but it's brilliant because it just makes that scene so important. Like it is an important scene, but sure score just drives that home, man. Like it just it's like a nail just hammering you over the head with it in a very very important good way. Yes, you know? and it's so important with anything movie related or art related. It's always important to just. Do the opposite something. Yeah. Like like where, you, where the music drops out when something big's about to happen, that's the opposite of what happens in every other horror movie you've Truth. ever seen. Truth. And if there was any legitimacy to calling him the, was it the Baron of Blood? That or, would be the movie. That, that would be the movie <laughs> because probably of his movies, the most iconic like 10 seconds of any of his movies, in my opinion, is the head exploding scene. The first scene with Michael Ironside yeah. is amazing. But that's what I'm saying is, is that scene... Of the dude's head exploding, that's when you say Cronenberg. That's almost the first quick go-to scene of his. If you want to kind of explain quick Cronenberg, is that go? All right. Oh, you want to, you want to here watch Michael Ironside make this dude's head literally fucking explode? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, actually, before we move on, after watching Scanners, who wanted to have that power? Just yeah, just show of hands. <laughs> oh, someone someone cuts you off, inflicts you off. You're just like, yeah. hold on a second. Mm-hmm. All right, okay, cool. I'll yeah. pass you now. Well, I mean, well, no, uh, it was more <laughs> just it was more just like I don't know. It was some because it, it wasn't just about making their head explode. It was like they they had the ability to kind of also know what they were thinking. Yeah, and just that that was that was I thought what was awesome. Yeah, you know. Um, well, I mean, we also so. got kind of a that on steroids with the last season of the boys with yeah, yeah. where it's not just like one person you concentrate really hard, but it's just like pop 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 pop. So <laughs> now before we move from scanners, I do want to say like I know we we're talking about we don't want to spoil it for the for people that haven't watched it or the younger generation. Me talking about the ending actually did not spoil it because in true Cronenberg fashion that was not the final thing. So yeah, because there's that final scene where you're like oh. Because the way they 
Oh yeah. Anyway, it's yeah. It, 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 Scanners is another great fucking film. I I fucking love that movie too. It's it's it's. Uh, I always kind of give everybody heads another up one. with, with Scanners build. where it's a it's it's very slow pacing. It's not very slow. Well, I just think, well for de- for today's for today's yeah today's yes it was eighty one. But it's so. it's it's one of those. It's the pacing's a little slow, but it builds up enough. I but some people you have to give a heads up because they'll watch the first twenty minutes and be like. Uh, sh- nothing's happened. I'm turning off. You're like, just fucking wait. You know, that's just gonna go, wait. that's gonna go back to Videodrome with the current screen thing, and now everyone's fucking ADD now because mm-hmm. they they can't fuck down and actually let something breathe for a second before yeah. it goes crazy. It's got to be crazy right off the bat, and yeah. that annoys the shit out of me. Yeah, it really does. And that's MTV th- had something to do with that, I'm sure. Oh, <laughs> but that's a lot. That's that's a big thing with Cronenberg movies, not just a sci-fi horror, no, just movies in general. The board is he goes, all right, I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna tell you a story. No bathroom breaks. You just sit here as I build up the story, and mm-hmm. then it's gonna have some payoffs. But you gotta wait. Gotta Patience. wait. And that's throughout all his movies. Just kids, yeah. kids, calm down, calm down. All right. Like, put your but phones down. Put your phones down. It's the kind of payoff where it's like, you know what? You're not gonna get this from any other kind of movie. There are no other movies. Yes, you can watch an action movie. You can watch any Michael Bay thing, <laughs> and you'll get action. Every two seconds, and, and slow and, running you know, cities. Exactly, you're, you're <laughs> gonna get you're gonna get that with yeah. that. But if you really want something horrifying and you want to have an experience that's a little different, just sit through the freaking movie. The, just sit through the whole thing. It's a slow burn, but nothing coming out today is going to do to you what a Cronenberg movie is going to do. No. That's why Rick and Morty says, "Oh, these people are all Cronenberg." It's because th- it's a one of a kind of experience. Exactly. And 100% right. No, you're not going to watch a film that's going to do anything to you that you you would get from a Cronenberg film. Like and I, I would direct people 100%. that are fans of Tarantino because Tarantino does the same thing. He doesn't hit you over the head immediately. It's dialogue, build up a story, and then, you know, a best example, last movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Anybody seen it? It's pretty slow till the last 20 minutes. It goes crazy. And Cronenberg follows that same line of like, let's figure out the characters. Let's establish it. Show you some weird shit and then go from there. Yeah. And, and agreed. And, uh, and the reason I think I say like, it's not that slow because if you kind of go back, we've kind of been going backwards in his sci-fi, specific sci-fi horror realm. So if you go back from 81 Scanners to 79's The Brood, that one is... Is 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 a slow burn as well as Seventy Seven's Rabbit. Now, both of them are kind of the same pace, but they're slower than Scanners because you don't get the big head explosion early on. It's like even though Scanners are slow, you still get you get the dude at the beginning at the mall scanning somebody and fucking with their brain, and you're like, what the fuck is he doing to him? And then he gets chased, and then you get to a where you, like there's there is stuff happening. Like there's a mall scene, scans a chick who's talking shit about him. Gets drugged, gets taken in. Michael Ironside blows someone's head up, and then he gets chased. And there's a car explosions and shit, and all that happens in like the first fifteen minutes. So that is technically slow. But when you get to the Brood, I mean, the Brood, the Brood is a very, very slow movie, but it is, it is so <laughs> worth it. Yeah, it is so worth it. Well, I was gonna say with those first two, that period in the seventies, the late seventies, it kind of fits into it because that's where you have the Omen, you have the Exorcist, these kind of slow pace build up style movies. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think the cha- the Changeling is like night eighty or something like that, but somewhere in that where it's not just over like like start up, it's this build up, and honestly, you know, some of them with kids, stuff like that, where you know you you almost deal with that that way of like let's make it creepy, not fucking like horror style just yet. And then also include 
growths and tumors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and while we're talking about the older movies, Shivers. Mm-hmm. I want to bring up Shivers because that's that was a really that was another one of those that really shows how much he thinks about stuff that in your mind you think that could work. Because the the whole concept and correct me if I was wrong, but what I took from it was that, you know, there you can genetically modify these parasites to become replacement organs mm-hmm. so that your body won't reject them and your body like how your body doesn't really reject parasites exactly so i thought so i'm listening to the explanation in the movie i'm thinking wow scientifically that makes sense he knows about organ rejection so why not change parasites into something you could use Mm -hmm. that's that's been a concept in recent movies that are based on genetic stuff you look at i am legend and stuff where they change viruses well look cronenberg did that long ago with with uh, shivers, so yeah, I could see having a parasite that helps asthma, yeah, or or something like that. It just makes sense, and then of course it is a bad idea. Yeah, well then, <laughs> so as a common theme through most Cronenberg films, and I'm not I'm not, I'm not just going to say early, but most Cronenberg films, there's a uh, there's a uh, heightened sexual not under overtone <laughs> to his films, and in shivers, there's like the sex crazed crowd towards the end, and then like obviously we talked about all the phallic things in Videodrome and then the stomach vagina scanners wasn't that sexual except for the, the really the only really thing that gave that off was when he went to the artist's uh house yeah. there's some shit in there but uh the brood mm, I don't really feel like there's that much there uh rabid has some Depends on what turns you on <laughs> yeah getting stabbed yeah. getting stabbed by a chick's armpit thing apparently that what a weird place dude like yeah. I, I, I want i want to i want to talk <laughs> to him and what what made was it, what made you think of the armpit <laughs> because it's never been done i mean never, like, i mean it's never yeah, been no, done. if you want the easy answer it's never been done i, I love rabbit yeah I, I do like it's a very good actually i think rabbit 1977's rabbit speaks volumes to today's uh current situation what we're dealing with uh for the last year and a half you know well, a little over a year and not in the terms of the fact it's a pandemic, but in terms of people's reactions and how they're handling it. Because people, you know, these people are basically rabid. Like whatever she's doing to, when she drinks their blood, she's affecting them and then turning them like someone who's like the next level rabies on steroids. And they're just losing their fucking minds. You look at what's going on. People are like just fucking yelling at perfect strangers and fucking call him everything but a good person yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. i mean i just see a similarity within that and it, it, it's crazy like you know when i watched when i first saw this movie i would have never thought in a million years i would have seen anything in reality that mimicked that outside of someone being driven by a pathogen to be crazy well it's you know? yeah i mean can we just say this past year i mean yeah it's something yeah. that we never thought we'd actually experience i mean like yeah. you know at first like ooh, like uh, I guess maybe, you know, keep an eye on for, you know, people coughing around you. I never thought we're in, like, it's kind of funny. I, you look at all those sci-fi, you know, you know, futuristic movies and we're like, oh, man, yeah, I don't remember this being in any of the ones I liked. I mean, <laughs> fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, this is. Ooh, yeah. shut down, stay in my house all the time. Fuck yeah. That's yeah. an awesome movie. Yeah, but then you're like, oh. Can we have that instead, please? Yeah. Like at yeah. a certain point, you're like, I'd rather have this. Oh are yeah, yeah. Which, which diseases are better than uh, than what we've got going on right now? <laughs> yeah. Which pandemics? Which alien invasions are preferable? Ser- but I mean, uh, dude, like, but I, I but it was crazy because I I, re- I rewatched Rabbit, um, and for those who have seen it or they want to see it and or, or they don't own a copy, the new 
not new. It was like three years ago. Scream Factory release of it is is pretty awesome. They do a really good restoration of it. It looks really good. Um, I rewatched that about a week and a half ago, um, and I'm just, it really just hit me like wow. Like now, like like this person that has no control technically over it spreading this disease and not knowing it until the end, towards the end, and then you get the people that are infected and what societies like it's the society thing like you start seeing it go across news and the doctors are speaking on the news like well i mean you need to uh you know if you do get bit by this person you need to go to seek medical profession if, or <laughs> if you see somebody doing this you need to stay away from them like be it's, honest it's, yeah no but it, it's just yeah. it was really like the, it was kind of it, it was just like jarring Mm-hmm. But not in a way that I would get from a Kroner movie, but because it just mirrored things, I guess. Yeah, it was it's very jarring. Yeah. That's all. I know one movie that you know we were going through the list before we start recording. I would still put it in the sci-fi horror kind of for Cronenberg is is Dead Zone. So I, I know this is debatable. No, no, no. no. Yeah, it's fine. I, I, I want to make a quick note before we okay. actually dive into that. Is so 1979's The Brood is when he started his partnership with. Howard Shore. The f- two movies before that, I don't know who did the scores for him, Rabbit and Shivers, but 79 The Brood is when he started his his collaborations with Howard Shore, except for, and this is the only film, 1983's Dead Zone, which was actually Michael Kamen. Hmm. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't I don't know. That's weird, because I would have thought that was Shore's question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. Whoops. <laughs> But I, I just—it's not. It's okay. not. I, okay. I that could have been. I. I didn't. That's actually not one of them. Oh, okay. It definitely for Cronenberg's movies, it doesn't lean too heavy on the horror aspect. Well, it's based and, off a of Stephen King book, so he's got to go off the source material a little bit. Yeah. And he, but he goes heavy off source material. But that's the thing. It's the sci-fi element. I think is very, very strong there. With obviously, you know, he goes through an accident. Now he's able to kind of predict what's going on to stop a serial killer and some crazy ass Martin Sheen, you know, president. Like so, there's elements there that. You know, hit that sci-fi, small bits of horror, but not like over. And over I think the... the small bits of horror is what makes it more of a thriller. Yeah, because thrillers, a, th- a true thriller does have like scary elements where you're putting the viewer through a, a, a heightened state. You're, they're, they're they're going to get anxious. Like a thriller makes you anxious. I think it's Cronenberg's tone that mm. makes it feel like it's it's in that horror level because mm-hmm. I mean it has. A very much the same tone. I mean, it's at right after scanners and stuff like that, but it has that tone. I feel like it feels like a horror movie, even though it's not. Now, I, I, uh, being a, both a huge Cronenberg fan and a, a giant fucking Stephen King fan, I fucking love the Dead Zone. Like yeah. I, I, when I say this, like I, it's not, it's, it's strictly about categorization because I fucking love that movie. I watch that at least once a year, sometimes twice. I'll just be zooming through. I'm like, oh, I'll watch this. Like I. There's not a bad scene in that movie to me. Like I fucking and love Walken that movie. does such an amazing job. He's, I mean, Walken is just this tortured motherfucker who, yeah. like, survives this accident, and his like gift is like, hey, good, yeah, your whole world's fucking turned around, and now like you're traumatized whenever you're and, around people. And to see him do this before he was walking, yeah, you know, like you're seeing him pre of you to a kill blonde hair Bond villain walking. Yeah, that's what I can put it. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously yeah, yeah before it's like time to overact yeah. yeah he was just i feel like he was giving one of the least expected 
portrayals of you, a character. You feel sorry. I feel like, I feel like uh, at a certain point you're expected a certain pe- people expected a certain thing when they saw Walken. He definitely got typecast, no matter what role it was. It could be a rom com, and he was expected to be. I mean, his cameos, like you talk about in Joe Dirt, like he was like he was in fucking King of New York. Like I mean, you know what I mean? It's like it's romance. He got right. Yeah. He got he got put in this thing. So when you you saw he was in a movie. You expected this Christopher Walken. You expected to see Cowbell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when you, but when you go back and watch Dead Zone, you don't get that. Yeah. You're not you're not getting any of that. His, of his character's Walken. a lot like the character in Scanners, where it's like he has his ability, but like he'd rather not. Like exactly, it's, it's one of those where like it's a curse, not a blessing. People, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I've gotten quiet during Dead Zone. Sadly, that's one of the ones I have not seen. Oh, I wow. am really now. You see, now I'm really sold on it, and there's a part of my heart that's hurting right now because I'm like, <laughs> Fabian, why haven't you seen this? <laughs> like, what have you done and wrong you, in life? And you will see, you will see uh, walking with a haircut you have never seen with him before. Him with before in the first part of the movie. Oh yeah, that's like, right. You'll never see oh, him. That throws me he off. He looks like a fucking little schoolboy, dude. It's crazy. Oh, okay, yeah. all right. I need to see this. I mean, I, I, it's eighty. It, it was eighty three. What else did Walken? You know, that was like the beginning of his career. So yeah. it, you're just getting really early Walken. We had showing like, he had chops back then, kind of. Thing. He had like Annie Hall and Deer Hunter and stuff like that, and these big. Yeah, well, no, this was his first. Deer Hunter. This yeah, was yeah. his first kind of like starring hit role for he him. He was the lead. Yeah, I was kind of scared of Walken as a kid because he did Communion. Mm. That movie scared the crap out mm. of me as a kid. Uh, watch it recently. It's cute and kind of funny now, but yeah. <laughs> so uh, kind of re- coming towards the end of this, we definitely did cover all of the sci-fi horror. There are definitely films of note. Um, I will let my co-host and the panelists uh, kind of run through what some of their favorite stuff is that, you know, other things they've seen outside of that. Um, I mean, it's it's so far away from what we're talking about. Oh, I know where you're going. But fucking history of violence. Oh, dude, is, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm surprised. I thought you were going to say Eastern Promises because I know you really dig that one too. But well, I, I love history of violence so much. History of violence is based on a comic book. Yes. And it's weird that the one thing Cronenberg left out would have been the most Cronenberg of the of the comic book, which is they go into anybody's watched. He wasn't know. the writer. He just directed. I, well, that's what he I'm, wasn't a writer. That's, on what, that. that's what I'm saying. Though, is, is that the actual comic? You know, you find out this dude worked for the mob. He left the mob, and then gets discovered. Okay, his partner, because they 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 his guy that worked with him got captured, and they never bring that up really in the movie. But in the comic, he got captured. They literally cut off his arms and his legs, and they feed this guy for like 15 years, like defiantly keeping this guy alive. Holy no! So I know why they. I know why they well, did that. Well, well, to, this to, was supposed to be a commercial movie. Yeah, they could not have that in. But you see what I'm a saying? A commercial movie in the comic. That part of it at that time is is, movie is, was is well. I'm just saying is a very. 05. And we're not talking about the main character, yeah, but yeah. his partner, the mob, has been keeping for like again, like old boy style, like 10, 15 years, unable to escape, obviously, and just pretty much like. Just feeding him and keeping he, him from he dying. Is what the uh, song one is about, except mafia, not war. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, basically, pretty much. Yeah, I, I have no limbs. I am just a brain, and you're, I'm alive. But That's besides great. that, like, the acting, everything is so fucking good with history of violence. Just think about it. That movie was still hardcore by like consumer standards, with just two really hardcore scenes. Yeah, and that, that's all you get, which is nothing for Cronenberg. But again. He, he gets, but he, he gets the best out of his talent. Funny I mean, thing is, uh, after 99's existence, he uh, was not the writer for any of the movies he did ex- until Cosmopolis. 
So he was just a director. But I think if he if he were to write based off of the comic, he probably would have kept that in there. Oh, I think absolutely. someone came to him, I think someone came to him with a screenplay and he's like, sure, I'll tackle this. Do you know this. how and shocking like, that yeah. is to watch the movie first and then read the comic and know this Cronenberg and read the comic and go, wow. How did he not put that in there? (laughs) (laughs) Producers have some say, and they they make things happen. Yeah, Not for the good all the time, but they make things happen. Yeah, they make things happen that they think is the best for the the viewers, I suppose, which Mm -hmm. doesn't always make sense. Uh, But I'd say we talked about all of my favorite Cronenberg movies, but what we haven't touched on too much is the movies he's acted in. Mm. Uh, I was, a, uh, the first time I ever saw him was in Nightbreed. Yes. He horrified me. His eyes are so blue. Yes. <laughs> They're really blue. And, and he's, yeah. just, I, he's an amazing, well, okay. I won't say he's an amazing actor in that he's blown me away and deserves this particular award. He's a good But I will say that when, as, as the, for the characters he plays, He's always really soft spoken and and he's really uh he's he's it's weird. He's weird. You know what? His acting style is like his movie style. It's yes. kind of like he's touching you all the time. And you know what's crazy is that is just his style. Like every like multiple interviews I've watched like I I'm watching I was watching one interview and he was talking he was you know just talking answering the questions and the, it was a good interview because the interviewer asked the question and shut the fuck up. And let him talk for fifteen minutes at a time sometimes, and he sounded just like freaking character from Nightbreed. Yeah, like it, that is that is him. Like he is just. I mean, he would get animated. So you know, when he thought something was, it was funny or whatever, he was trying to make a point. But his general tone, like if he were on a, you know, he, he just he's quiet. Like his he's not his voice is soft, but like deep. He actually has a very deep voice. So maybe I think he lightened it up a bit. Or it got deeper with age. His voice is soft, but his face is extreme. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And his blue eyes has not changed with age, by the way. Yeah. Because this one interview, they do a couple close-ups, and I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> that is Fuck. so blue. They're so alive. One, one of my favorite acting cameos he did, and it's this movie called To Die For. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nicole Kidman, where she sets up uh, early Joaquin Phoenix and Casey Affleck, mm-hmm. um, who are students to kill her husband. And obviously, you know, everything comes back. At the very end, you know, she always wants to be this Hollywood star, this star reporter. And so she meets with the this guy from Hollywood out on this farm lake, this farm with a frozen lake out in the middle of nowhere. And it's goddamn David Cronenberg. And you knew the minute Cronenberg was on there, I already you already had a feeling. But you're like, he was riding, oh. a, he was a, riding a bike, right? Wasn't there like a motorcycle or some shit? No, 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 no. He meets okay. her at the farm and he's like, Oh yeah, let's uh I wanna go over your stuff and you know it's probably not good and mm-hmm. it then goes to black and you hear her scream. But you already kinda knew the minute you see him, she's probably fucked. Just yeah. Yeah. He, has he, has, that, he has that look. But he's charming as shit. At first he's like, Hey, how's it going? Well, they but have us to be as an audience are like, wait a second, is that yeah. fucking Cronenberg? Uh, yeah. Killers are always yeah. charming and, and Cronenberg. Kinda charming. like kinda like when you watch uh No Country for Old Men where literally, you know, Bardem can take his fucking thing and just put it up on somebody's forehead and just shoot, and they just let him do that. Yeah, they're like, "Oh, he seems like a trut." Oh no, I'm fucking dead. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, and to die for had a great soundtrack too. That's oh, yeah. another one while, while we're talking about those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it did. Is that I, Danny Elfman. I feel like that was Danny Elfman. Was it Danny? Elfman? I believe so because that's Gus Van Sant directed that. I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I knew he's all, he's he's like on the, on the I think the new season of Star Trek Star Trek yes, Discovery. Discovery. I haven't um, watched. That I haven't yet. watched that either. 
Uh, I know he did. So he was in some of his movies. He was the gynecologist in the Fly Dream sequence. He was uh, he was one of the people in the sex horde in Shivers. Um, and he he well, well, as the director, wouldn't you put yourself <laughs> in that scene? <laughs> All right, I'm gonna need the assistant director. I'm yeah. gonna be busy. Help me out here. All right, somebody else call action. Right. I've uh, I've had my eyes on this extra all day. <laughs> I think his his hands were involved in his existence somehow. I, you know, so he, but he's not like prominent like King or Hitchcock or you know where they forcefully insert themselves into their films. Um, I can't really think of anything else I've seen him in besides Jason X. Other than like when I think Nightbreed, yeah, yeah. and we, I don't want to talk about Jason X. No. I really don't. I, I fuck, fuck, no. <laughs> so, but That's as far him as doing a favor to some for somebody, seriously, yeah. it had to be uh, uh, Hollywood. <laughs> he he's probably on some contract, and, oh, yeah, and Hollywood said, "All right, you owe us one more movie. You can either do." Powerpuff Girls or Jason or Jason X. X. <laughs> he's like, oh, at least I'm gonna oh, stay in genre. Shit. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> that cameo probably budgeted his next two then movies. Like, probably yeah. would have made an amazing Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> he could be the father. <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, come on. Okay, there goes There's an idea. Science, there goes a dude. mashup, dude. That would be awesome. Oh man, I think I need to text Hobbit about a smack my pitch up idea. <laughs> Fucking Powerpuff Girls, but with David Cronenberg. Anyway, uh, but some films of note. I mean, I love most of the movies, but if I'm really going to narrow it down, we already talked about The Dead Zone, um, but I've got to talk about Dead Ringers is a just, we, we, we keep saying it, but this movie is just fucking unsettling, man. Mm. It, it's, whoo, it, you really feel dirty. Yeah, if you want if you want to see a creepy Alfred, and I mean Alfred in the Snyder cut, Jeremy Irons is the main, yeah. main character. He plays twins, and they're both gynecologists, and they're both one eighty from each other. But there's some Ugh. things with. with it's, 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 <laughs> there's a, I remember there's a scene where at the beginning there are children they're trying to talk about if they jizzed in a bathtub or something. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Would you get pregnant? And I'm just like, what the fuck am I watching? Yeah. The movie is is hardcore. <laughs> I mean, and then. Uh, the f- the first film I saw after The Fly was Crash, and that's the movie that I watched where I was where I was like, someone's like, hey, this is a Cronenberg film, Crash. I'm like, oh, Crash, like, because at the time the other movie had come out, the right? Oscar, the Oscar winning one, winning one yeah. yeah. And I'm like, they're like, no, they're like James Spader. I'm like James Spader. And like they show me a picture, they show me the cover, and I uh, see this picture. I'm like, oh, that was it Pretty in Pink. Was he in Pretty in Pink? No, uh, um, uh, Sixteen Candles. Yeah, he was the douchebag in Sixteen Candles. John, you know, and I was like, "Oh, that guy, I know him." And nope. Okay. Oh, and then I was like, "Oh, yes, yeah, Casey Jones." Oh, <laughs> like because Elias Cotiers is in it too. Oh, yeah. So Crash is basically again, it's <laughs> sex oriented around adrenaline of car crashes and also people that have been fucked up in car crashes and body. Uh, uh, what's the proper term? Uh, not body damage, but being wounded, yeah. scarification from crashes. Like they would be like rubbing it, and next you know they're fucking and rubbing it and plus licking fucking. it, licking. Yeah, plus fucking. Just, it's like yeah, it's, plus, know, it's just plus fucking. It's so erotic to do with. <laughs> that just rolls right off your tongue. Yeah. Plus it? fucking. It yeah, plus fucking. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> creamy Cronenberg's plus fucking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't, I can't title the episode that, Hunter. Okay, but it's just so erotic with the with with like scarification, and I mean, you know, just uh, it. I was not, I was not ready for that, but I thoroughly enjoy the movie. It's an yeah. amazing movie. Uh, I've I've rewatched it multiple times since. It was just that was that was kind of like a. 
(laughs) That is one of my favorite things is the fact that um, it shares the same title of a movie that won a Best Picture Oscar. So there is potentially every year several people that are just curious and go, oh, Crash, and don't pay attention to the date (laughs) and start watching it and then are confused. How is Puss fucking, a movie about Puss fucking winning Best Picture? Not knowing, no, you're watching the wrong movie. And I, I just, that thought... I just I love the fact that that probably has happened. Crash was not the Cronenberg's Crash was ninety six. The Oscar one was what oh four, a three oh three oh four. Yeah, yeah. And but it's you know, like, there's people uh, that are watching the wrong Crash uh, and going, "How did this win Best Picture? Like yeah. this is weird." Yeah, yeah. I'm still waiting for Brand Fraser to show up. This is not happening. <laughs> <laughs> you keep waiting. Yeah. You keep waiting. Yeah. yeah. I you know while we're on the weird, sexual, creepy, uncomfortable feelings. Like I feel like we should mention Naked Lunch. True. Uh, no, that that definitely deserves being mentioned because that yeah. was a feat. Now I have to. Now I've seen it, but I kind of want to ask if either of you know what was that about. Well, it's based off of M.S. Burroughs' book, Naked uh, Lunch, and uh, acid. <laughs> well, it's it a lot of William S. Burroughs to deal with addiction and heroin. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't personally read the book. I've kind of read synopsis, like a synopsis of it, but I, I do want to read it because I have read Burroughs' Junkie, and that was a very depressing fucking book. <laughs> but uh, and I've read The Wild Boys uh, by Burroughs, and that was a really good book too. Um, so that Cronenberg's original vision to do a direct adaptation apparently would have cost like four hundred, like forty million dollars or four hundred million dollars or whatever in ninety one. For I feel like four hundred is probably a better number. Like and it's like no, so he had to. Do the best he can. That like, there's a lot of. Uh, I think there's a lot of stuff that just couldn't be filmed from that story. Mm-hmm. So he think he did the best he can with yeah. trying. Th- to me, Naked Lunch, from what I remember of it, because I haven't really watched it in a long time, <laughs> is uh, the most hardcore he's gone between really making you think about what's the reality and what's hallucination. Yeah. It's just uncomfortable. I mean, yeah. I what what I, what I remember watching of it, you just it's it's kind of an uncomfortable. Like you're sitting <clears throat> through it. I don't know. Yeah. And, and that that's effective. That's what he's attending, but it's kind of the same way that movie Bug, where you can watch it, and it's doing what it's supposed to, which is you're fucking itching your shit while you're watching it for no reason at all, which is great. Which I think was supposed to but be for a, replay, a metaphor kind of for addiction, like yeah. just that always that there's always that itch, and like, but I don't know where the other context comes from because like I said I haven't read the book. I don't yeah. know what Cronenberg, how he adapted. Oh, it's it a to weird make one. It, you know, and I don't know if I'm answering your question or not, but oh, that's just th- my no, interpretation. You know what? I, I think that's a good interpretation. All I remember from that movie, because I watched, I haven't watched it in years, but what st- stands out for me today is I remember there was an alien and a really sexual typewriter. Yes. A, a, very- a typewriter <laughs> that would convulse yeah. and was very feminine. Yes. But it was just a typewriter. Like, no, only no, David not in Cronenberg's Cronenberg world. That. That's, no, that's Cronenberg's perfect... world is not just a typewriter. <laughs> that is the perfect way to describe a Cronenberg movie is a, a female sexualized typewriter. Yeah. yeah. And we all know, because we've watched enough Cronenberg movies, to go, oh, yeah, yeah. But if you're not into Cronenberg, you're like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. But right there, we already have a picture in our head of exactly what you're talking about because you watch enough Cronenberg movies. That's what you get. Yeah. Exactly. How do you do that? I mean, I could see it with a doorknob or, or some other random, you know, there, there are random things that you can sexualize. But how do you sexualize a typewriter? Only he can do that. Cronenberg says, hold my beer. I mean, how, do you, how, do you sexual- <laughs> how, how do you sexualize a VHS tape? You put a vagina in someone's stomach. Yeah. I mean, I'm serious. Like, what yeah. the fuck? Yeah. How do you? Like, Again, yeah. all, all these. Ian Giger all- should get together, have a baby, and 
Who knows what you know, that would be? If that, um, it's sad that never happened. I know. Yeah. Seriously. It's so sad that never happened. I don't know why that never happened at yeah. all. I, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it. I, I, it, it like, I feel like those two creative brains would have made the ultimate powerhouse of just fucking dark, twisted sci-fi horror. Yeah. Mm. So it, it, we'll never get it. We'll never get it. <laughs> That's what it is. But um, uh, that, that, that we we're can pr- only dream. We can, yeah, that's literally. We can only nightmare. We can only nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <clears throat> so all right, we're gonna start wrapping it. We're gonna wrap it up on the Cronenberg side of this episode. But that does not mean we're done. We got a little, got a little treat for you. But first, we got to uh, talk about our sponsors. That's right. First off, we got Amazon.com. Go to guipodcast.com and click on the links tab. It is the first link on the page. Click on it and just shop through Amazon like normal. Costs you nothing more. Gives us a little kickback. Buy some podcast stuff. Trying to do some upgrades, you yeah. know. And I mean, we just we gave you plenty of stuff. If you don't know, all these own movies it. are yeah. either all right. Now I would say all the movies we talked about are either or all for sale on Amazon. But they, if you already if you do have Prime, there are some that are streaming through Prime. Some are streaming on Tubi. I do want to be fair. There are a lot of his movies right now you can go watch for free. And if you love it, I encourage you to then buy it. Yeah, and, and there's some that have special you know editions, editions. that. It's worth the extra to get the. Yeah, like I just bought the uh, Arrow video version of Shivers with a bunch of behind the scenes stuff in it, which is young baby Cronenberg, which is mm. really, yeah, yeah, right? It's just like see him through the ages of interviews is, is crazy. Anyway, um, so yeah, we greatly appreciate that little kickback from you shopping through our link on Amazon.com. And then the second one would be T Public. That is the link directly next to the Amazon link on our links tab. And uh, just, that's where all the merch is for all the shows under the network. Every show has multiple designs. I think we're up to 41-ish around there. There's a fuckload. It's ridiculous. Yeah. We don't need that, that many that designs, every... but we do. But yeah, but there's designs for everybody. There's designs for it. everybody. Yeah, and uh, while you're on the website as well, geopodcast.com, check out all the other shows under the network. We've got something for everybody, literally. Any need nerddom, geekdom, uh, facet of that, we we've got a show for you to to check out. So please check out some other shows on the network. And uh, now it is time for Stump, the host. All right, so Stump the host is a rapid fire trivia segment. Where we ask the guests to bring a series of questions to Stump Hunter and I, and whoever. Wins, gets to uh, have some bragging rights, some swinging mm-hmm. dick and all that stuff. Yeah. Hunter was currently two ahead. Yes, I am. <clears throat> See, I'm, I'm trying yeah. to be good. I'm not talking shit because I was at one point four ahead, and now I've, I've gone on kind of a losing streak, so you know, t- yeah, I'm mm-hmm. not going to say shit. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> I learned my lesson two episodes ago. God That's damn right. It. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. I've always had fun with the two of you on these trivia questions. Uh-huh. I've stumped the both of you a few you times. Have. Oh, yeah. I have. Am, I've been very, very proud. Mm-hmm. This one was tough for me, though, uh, because I found that when I watch Cronenberg movies, it's uh, like there. I don't the trivia for me like doesn't flow the way Bruce Campbell trivia does mm-hmm. because Bruce Campbell stuff is really easy. It's it's mm-hmm. right there ready. So. I really had to dig for these. So oh. some of these are really easy. I already heard you say the answer to one of them. Mm. So I know you guys know some of these. And then there was one that I had no, I, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, you get to decide who goes get first. Get started with these. I, okay. Let's start with Hunter. All right. Seeing as how I already know you, you know the answer to this. So because you said, now let's find out if you were paying attention. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, shit. All right. Number one, this should be easy, though. All right. What role did David Cronenberg play in The Fly? Oh, the goddamn fucking 
Gynecologist. Yes. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. Okay. I heard. I was trying to remember what Medicaid yeah. medical field was that. <laughs> I see him in a coat. <laughs> in a mask. Yeah. 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 All right. So that was an easy one. Here's another easy one. All right. In Nightbreed, David Cronenberg plays the character Dr. Philip Decker. Mm-hmm. So this is two questions, actually. First one. How... Oh, I guess this will go to you. Uh, how is Dr. Decker killed? Oh, he's uh, crucified, basically. And then... They put uh, Baphomet essentially into him. Isn't that how that works? Because like, at the end of the scene, they show him wake up, but he's been killed, but you he's jumped, been crucified. You jumped into the second one. That's not how he dies. Oh. Do you know how he was killed, Hunter? God, fuck. <laughs> That's what I thought. I'm, I'm, I'm puzzled he, right now. Oh, yeah, he stabs Cabal. Right. Cabal spins around and, oh, and hugs him, him into yeah. him, shoves the knife right. through him. That's so I guess that's right. how his death kind of... That's yeah. how he that's died. And what it. you said is the next question, how is he brought back to life? Okay. So I could have yeah. said hug death. God damn it. Hug sir. death. A hug knife death <laughs> is so how he's killed. We just count that as one and one, I guess, because I yeah. got the second part right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. All right. So that who does that, does that... So that was mine, so then it goes, I guess it yeah. goes to you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry. All right. Oh, no problem. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, this were a real challenge. Okay. All right. Let me see. I'm going to take a quick second to see which one of these I should read. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to go. Uh, I know you hate this movie, so it's probably good that it's going to come to you because I heard you say this too. David Cronenberg portrays a character that demands this iconic horror movie villain be thought out and studied. This villain immediately impales him after thawing. Who is the villain? Oh, the the in my opinion, good guy uh, is uh, Jason Voorhees. You are so, correct. Yes, and a little feature called Jason X. Stop. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking and terrible. you know what? I, I it, it hurt me having to bring that up, but it was an easy one. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I no, needed I get something it. easy. Yeah. I get it. But I, I saw. I made the mistake of seeing that in the theater. Ooh, and I walked out like. Yeah. Now I hate that song. Let the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That is right. That they they advertise. They, no, I don't. Okay, let's drop it. And let's yeah. move on to the next one. Next one. Okay, the last one I've got. And okay. this is the one that I didn't know. Okay. Okay. All right, so I'll lead into this one. David Cronenberg's been asked to do a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. And he turns a lot of them down. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. And right now, I'm only talking about directorial stuff. Which directorial job did he, David Cronenberg not turn down? Which directorial job did he not turn down? Yes. You mean as far as films? Yeah. Uh, And this is going to be a multiple choice. Okay. But which one did he not turn down? Okay. That he actually wanted to do, but didn't, but he didn't get to. Okay. All right. Top Gun. Total Recall. Total Recall. Total Recall. He already he he was ready to film that shit. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking Total Recall. Okay, you're right. You're Sounds right. I'm like, I wasn't even gonna let it. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to okay. cut you off. Oh, I was no, like, it's, it's no fucking problem. Total Recall. I, I was figured, waiting to hear. It. I didn't want to make it third because mm. everybody knows C is usually the right answer. Third, I was gonna say RoboCop's uh, Star Wars is. I had no idea he was offered Return mm-hmm. of the Jedi, so I thought that was a good one. RoboCop made sense. Yeah, like a Cronenberg RoboCop yeah. and Total Recall totally would be amazing. I could yeah. see that. Yeah, but he was like, he had scripts written for total recall yes he and, did. and then they and they but it was going a t- completely different way which hit but he loved philip k dick yeah that was a huge influence on him later mm-hmm. on in life and the fact that i think he was following more true to form mm-hmm. versus you know the as much as i love schwarzenegger's total recall uh is definitely hokey compared yes. to the book um you know yeah <laughs> that, well okay watching 
Arnold Schwarzenegger's eyes bug out on the surface of Mars is uh, that was just special. Oh, that was. But yeah. but yeah, so we're tied. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to do a hard trivia tiebreaker real quick? Probably a good idea. Yeah. I was struggling with with Cronenberg stuff. I was like, what what color are his eyes? Mm. Yeah. Just. Oh, you. Oh, all right. He Let's see. Randomly picked one. Mm. So okay, how are we doing this? Whoever screams it out first, or how we do this? Um, you choose. Yeah. How do you? Oh, work? okay. Okay. So I see answers on the back here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, let me hold this like this. So I guess how do we how do we want to determine? I remember the first time on the Bubba Hotep, like it was we did the shout, and I, I managed to squeak out the butthole. Yeah, I guess we'll, we'll do the shout out again. Yeah. That's always worked in your favor, but well, yeah, whatever. I'll see. Sorry, you're slow, old man. That's fine. <laughs> Who said <Okay>. that? <laughs> all right, this one this one's all right. Uh, how did young Jason Voorhees meet his demise in Camp Crystal Lake? He drowned. drowned. Yes, you were a fraction. of... That was too easy. Can I choose a different one? Yeah, I was gonna. That say, was too easy. That's, that's, that's the thing about. The I say drown. He said he drowned. I'm like, um. I said he before you said drown though. Whatever. I'm just saying. But no, it's too easy. It's too yeah. easy. What movie stars professional wrestler Roddy Piper as a drifter who discovers a box of special sunglasses? They live. <laughs> no, we're not. Yeah, was that that's, <laughs> that, that's we, as much. We want to just call this. Soon, you know what? <laughs> I, hold on, hold on. I, it's it's near impossible. As soon as he said professional wrestler and a drifter, Piper, and like, we were on, both just sitting there waiting <laughs> for you to get to that I last. Should have done a stare down. Question. We need to yeah. like film some of this shit. We're just like. What 2014 movie involves a story of two siblings battling a supernatural mirror? Oculus. Uh, mm. There you go. You got it. That broke it. Damn. I said nice. I said ooh because it was it's that not one a good was, movie. Was, more, yeah. It, it, it was okay. Uh, now the reason I like it is because wait, No, I think no, I'm thinking of the sequel. I think I like the first one, I didn't like the sequel. Or was it, I can't remember which one I liked. I've only watched them both once. Well, the good wait, director did, did the first one was. and a shitty director did the right, second so one. Okay. So, first, yeah. the, first first one, one. the first one was good. It had uh, Amy Pond from Doctor Who and oh, she went oh, on to yeah. do uh the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I liked it for her. I've been following her career. quite well. You gained one back, Hunter. You are now up by three. We will post uh, the we will post the updated scores shortly after the release of this, so you this know is, where this we're at. This was goddamn like a Rocky Apollo Creed back and forth. I wish man, I fucking like... won though, because that Total Recall was a, was a <laughs> fucking cut, man. Damn it! Fuck, I feel like it was a waste of my knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I didn't so know much. that. Thank you so much for being on. Uh, Thank really you appreciate so much. You have, I mean, they were great questions, especially that last one. Like, I was like, wow, okay, I didn't yeah. think that would even, I didn't think that was going to get asked, but like, yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I have so much fun every time I come here. This is a, such a great break from my day job <laughs> yeah. and my, my regular stuff. I finally get to come out here and dork about uh, horror movies, sci-fi, and all this weird touch you Cronenberg stuff. Yeah, that's, seriously. <laughs> he's like, he, it's, it's almost like Uncle Touchy's basement, but not quite. You know what I mean? It's, it's like the kind of touch that you know is going to happen and you... You're letting wanna it happen. See, you want to let happen. it happen to see if you can take it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. That's, uh... yeah, that's it. Anyway, so uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, uh, hit us up at lowdownbrown.gygmail.com. Let us know what you think about Cronenberg Films, what you've seen, what you haven't seen, what you've seen after you listen to this episode, and we steered you towards movies that you now are like, oh, okay, I didn't know about that. I'm going to go check them out. And uh, we want to hear feedback. We just want the feedback, you know, and, um, and until we talk to you again, stay safe.
Podcasts at GUIPodcast.com. Hey guys, Scotty Big Daddy Preston here. That's right, the Geek Father, asking you to join me here every other week with friends and family of the GUI Network as we go through all the trials and tribulations of being a geeky parent. So remember, join us or cry. In a world ravaged by movie studios that keep rehashing the same things, only one podcaster has the guts to make it even worse. Join Mike the Hobbit as he traverses the internet to bring you some of the best and worst ideas for reboots, remakes, and reimaginings of some of your favorite and least favorite TV and film properties. Ideas like a John Waters He-Man movie, Fantastic Four the Musical, and Aliens, done entirely with marionettes. What podcast would bring this evil upon the world? This is Smack My Pitch Up. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. My name is Amy Bogard. And I'm Mike the Hobbit. And we are the hosts of Deeply Upsetting, where we use our expertise to answer your most upsetting hypothetical quandaries, such as what non-wigged animal deserves wings? And what body part deserves a secret mouth? Which cryptid is the worst roommate? These questions and more that plague you will be answered on Deeply Upsetting, available anywhere you get your podcasts and at GUIPodcast.com.